we want you, we want you, we want you. Our heart is for you, Father. Our heart is for you, Father. We're chasing after you this morning, Father. We desire to be in your presence. We desire to be with you, Father. You're all we want. You're all we want. You're all we want. All I want is you. All I want is you. You, Lord, is you. Just one more time, say it. All I want is you. Praise God. Now, right there, just go ahead from your heart. Let him know how much you want him right now. Just go ahead. Lift up your hands. Now it's from your heart to his heart. Without the song, just your heart to his heart. Let him know how much you want him right now. Father, all we need and all we want is more of you in our lives, Father. Because we know more of you means less of everything else that does not come from you, Father. Your word tells us that when we draw nigh unto you, that you draw nigh unto us, Father. So our desire for more of you is only allowing more of you to have full expression in our hearts and through our lives, Father. We thank you for your presence this morning. We recognize that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And so, Father, we know that it is in your presence that we get answers to prayer and healings manifest, Father. We get directions for our lives. And so, Father, we're just letting you know that all we want and all we need is you in our lives. That's all we want and that's all we need, Father. Because we know that when we keep you first, you add everything else unto us. So now, Father, as we've taken time to, to minister unto you, Father, we've praised you for all that you've done in our lives, Father, not just on this week before the entire duration of our life. You have been good. You are great, and you are greatly to be praised. And then, Father, we entered into worship, Father. Worship is another level, Father. That's when we acknowledge who you are in our lives. And we know that you have all power. You know all things. And you are forever present with us. And that worship just brought that out, Father. And it manifested through words of acknowledgement that all we want and all we need is you. And you are at the center of our lives. And now as we go forward even further with your holy writ, Father, your word. Every heart has been prepared to receive, Father. And that word will be deposited into the good ground of their hearts. Father, it will produce today, some 30, some 60, but some will manifest 100-fold production because of the condition of their hearts, Father. They came today ready to hear and ready to receive, and their lives will never be the same as a result of it. Father, I have decreased only because you have increased. It is less of me and more of you. My tongue is connected to my spirit, and I speak today as I ought to speak, the oracles of God. And you grant me the ability to do it with simplicity, Father. And as always, we'll give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen.
Come on, you can do better than that. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Now let's put Cobb County and the devil on notice that Jesus is Lord in this place. Come on, give God your best praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Thank you, music department. I want you to bless two or three people today. Speak words of life to them. Compliment them today. Say something good to them. Lift their spirits today. Give them a big hug. Excellent job, music department. Then after you're done, you can be seated. I want to welcome you if you're watching via any of our live stream platforms today. We're glad to have you, honored that you're with us. Uh, just such a blessing to have the online community that watches these services every single week. Thank you for your continued support of Linked Up Church. The best way to follow along today, we're going to close out the blueprint. The best way to follow along is through the Version Bible app. And if you'll just go to the events section and click on uh, events and then go to Linked Up Church, uh, you will see uh, right there that the outline for today is, is right there. And it's a blueprint for you guys that you can use for the rest of your life. And ladies, you can use uh, when you're measuring what kind of guy is coming into your life. You'll know what you're looking for. Two good amens right there, right? Now, Blueprint, we know, uh, by definition, is a design plan or other technical drawing. Uh, it's a model to follow. And so, you know, everyone knows what we're doing. We sat down with architects, and architects wanted to know our vision and what was in our heart. And, of course, after we shared it, then they began to draw. And at the end of all of that, a blueprint came out. Once everyone agreed that this is what we wanted to look like, then that blueprint is uh, stamped and certified. Once it's stamped and certified, it cannot be changed. Then an inspector will come back at the end of the entire project in order for us to get what's called an occupancy permit. Then the building has to look like the blueprints, and then we get the permit, and then we can march on down and have our first service in our brand new space. Glory to God, okay? And so I want you to know God the Father is the architect, and he left us a blueprint. The Holy Spirit is the inspector. His job is to help us carry out the blueprint the way it was designed. And so I don't want any person out here to think that you cannot arrive and you cannot achieve at this level. Because if you are a son of God and his spirit lives on the inside of you, then you are well able to overcome any challenge this world may throw you away. And I don't care how far you think you're starting behind or if the field has been leveled, Really doesn't matter with God. He has a way of making up the distance, closing the gap. Whatever he needs to do to get you to look like what he designed you to be, I mean, no, the Holy Spirit will help you get there. You've just got to cooperate and believe that. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, the Amplified uh, the, reads this way, which is our foundation text. This is Paul's final salutation to or benediction to the church at Corinth, his closing remarks uh, to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. And he closes his remarks speaking directly to the men. And he says in verse 13, be on guard, stand firm in your faith. In God, respecting his uh, precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. He said, act like mature men and be courageous and be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us all. 
And so Paul told them to act like mature men. We know other translations define that statement as quit you like men, act like men, be courageous, be men of courage. So part of acting like a man is being brave and and courageous. And it takes someone that's brave to go against the world and do things God's way. I mean, that takes courage when everyone else is going downhill and you make the decision to swim upstream. I mean, that takes real courage to do that. So we've talked about those things, and then we've really defined five areas. It's not exhaustive, but it certainly will give you a, a, a good starting point. Number one, he's got to be a model example of singleness. He must win at being single because that's the win that really catapults him into every other win. And just for a quick quiz here, quick review, he's got to get his life together first. Right? And so my recommendation, since there's no boyfriend, girlfriend in the Bible, right, as husband and wife, then we're friends until we're engaged, until we get married. And then we've got to know at what level do I pursue someone for the purpose of engagement and then towards marriage? Well, we laid it out for us. You don't have to turn there in Jeremiah 29. You've got to leave your father and mother's house, period. So we don't even want to think about it. Everything up to that point is getting our lives together. That house has to be livable. He has to have a career, occupation, or a job that can sustain it. Then he needs to eat the fruit of that. And that means he needs a season of being successful on his own. Then he goes out and looks for someone that he can bring into that environment. He doesn't win at that one, then it affects all the other ones because number two was, right, then he's got, he has to be able to uh, win as a husband, right? He's got to be a model man, act like a man as a husband. Part of that was loving your wife, but loving your wife the way Christ loved the church and loving her the way you love yourself. So you can go back into his preparation as a single person to understand how much he loves himself because he's never going to give you more than he was willing to give himself. And if he's smart, he's going to study how Christ loves the church. That's going to become his blueprint for how he loves his wife. And what's included in that part is he is going to pray. He is the spiritual leader of the family. He is going to protect her life with his life. If that means getting in front of a bullet, stepping in front of a train, come on, somebody. He will pray. He will protect. And then he will provide at all costs. That is his responsibility. And he will not Put that to the side for nothing or no one. I pray first, I protect first, I provide first. That is a man of God. That's how he loves his wife, and he's got to have that. He's got to have that. Ladies, you can't give that to him. And then we left off talking about as a father. Now, if you don't understand his losses as a single person, you won't understand his losses as a married man, which translate into his being a father now, right? And so we said a whole lot about that, but, but primarily, he is responsible for what he created. He does not shuck that responsibility, right? And then he disciplines through a proper balance of love and correction. And all discipline has instruction as to not produce rebellion in the child, right? All discipline has that. And there's always a pathway when the child misses it, just like God does us. There's a pathway for the child to get right back where they were supposed to be and recover everything that they lost while they were out there. And if we focus more on incentives than we do just punishment, 
the children will gravitate more towards wanting to be right than wrong. Now, let's pick up with all new information uh, for today. Number four, I want you to really keep your spiritual ears open today. He must not forget he's still a son. So even though he is an adult, he still has a responsibility to his parents. And we'll talk about that. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's look at this from that perspective. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 3. Letter A there on your outline, honor is a responsibility for all children. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. He must not forget he's still a son. Even though I'm grown, I still have a responsibility to my parents if they're alive. It's not a greater responsibility than I have to my wife, but together we're still responsible for our parents. We'll talk about that a little bit today, what that looks like. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice what he says there after that common New King James Version, for this is right or it is the right thing to do. And I never age out on that responsibility of, of obeying my parents. Now, of course, they can't run my household if I'm a grown man and I'm married. Right? But, but we know the balance and the wisdom to what honor needs to go to my mother and my father and what honor needs to go to my wife. And there's a healthy balance to that where I'm still being a son all the days of my life or a daughter in that regard. Notice what he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So he's saying honor your father and mother. The word honor there means to have gratification for and to place value on, right? And so you should always value and appreciate anything that your parents have done for you your whole life, even if it's only getting you into this world. You still wouldn't have got here without them. And we can go through all of what they were and what they weren't and what they didn't do and all of that. But once we become grown, folks, and how I many know we've got to let them go so that we can become everything God's called us to be? We can't hold grudges and, and, and say we're, once we become grown, folks, we can be and do whatever we want to do. And we can forgive our parents for any misses that they may have had coming up. Right? Because if we look back into it like I did, you'll realize they can't give you what they never had. And you'll probably see somewhere in their past where they never got what you're expecting from them. So that history doesn't repeat itself, why don't you just give them a pass and become what you always wanted them to be? Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here today. It takes no energy to be negative and talk about what people didn't do and, and what they're not and, and, and all. It takes no, it's, it's no effort to do that, but it takes character and courage and bravery to say, hey, they weren't all of that, but they got me here. I'm still thankful and I'm grateful that they brought me into the world, gave me an opportunity in life, and I want to treat that right, if nothing else, for the rest of my life. He's saying this because this benefits you. I know you don't want to do it for your parents sometimes, but do it for God. Amen. It benefits you. Look at what he goes on to say here. So it will be well, not with your parents, but with you. That's the promise. He said everything in your life will go well. 
when you value and have gratitude for your parents. Not only did it say, will it go well with you, you're going to live long on this earth. That's a promise, folks. I'm telling you, I'm not getting ready to let anything they did keep me from reaching that promise. Hello, somebody. Now I, it just motivates me to just be what I always wanted them to be. I can't live my father's life over again. I didn't know him. We didn't have a relationship. I'm not going to punish my children because of what he didn't do. Hello? No, I'm going to stand up and stand upright and be everything I thought he should have been. Then I gift that to my children so we can start legacy and the next generation can be greater than the current generation and the generation after that. Then we can start legacy and we leave something for our children and our children's children where they can look over and look through history and say, my great-grandfather laid out a path for the entire family. Come on, somebody. Don't let your parents keep you from reaching your future. He said, honor them. Don't get into all the stuff. I know they weren't all together. or Maybe they were. Whatever it is, just do what he said to do. I don't need to know nothing else. I'm just going to place value on the fact that these are my parents. And if, if all I can hang my hat on and be grateful for is that they got me into this world, that's enough for me. All right, let's keep going because we're going to go somewhere with this. Letter B, should provide for them in old age. Let me save some time. Put Mark chapter 7 up there in the Amplify. Should provide for them in old age. That's God's retirement strategy. <laughs> that the kids take care of their parents in their old age. I'm about to show it to you in the Bible now. Mark chapter 7. Watch this now. Not just their parents, but their grandparents. Some of the worst things we can do, folks, is, is leave our grandparents alone and act like they weren't the pioneers. Come on, somebody. The worst thing we can do is forget about them, act like their role in our lives didn't matter. But you see it all the time. Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 13, Amplify. Put that up on the screen. Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 9 through 13. Are you all ready? Okay, Amplify will kind of define things that I would have had to define for you. Let me give you a little, little background here. Jesus is basically rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes because at the end of the day, what they're doing is making their tradition equal to the Word of God. And he's telling them that you worship me with your lips but your heart is far from me. And he's being very strong about these things. And then he goes into this area. Let's pick it up at verse 9. And he says, he was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside and nullifying the commandment of God in order to keep your man-made traditions and regulations. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother with respect and gratitude. And he who speaks evil of his father or mother must be put to death. Folks, I would encourage everyone in here to never put your mouth on your parents. Let me try this. I would encourage everyone in this room, 
I don't care good, bad, indifferent. I don't care. Don't put your mouth on your parents. Okay, that was a half of an amen, quarter of an amen. Let me see if I can get a full one on this side. I would encourage everyone in this room, never put your mouth on your parents. Period. An honorable son or daughter just won't do that regardless of what they are or what they're doing. Only mouth that they're going to put on them is in prayer. You all want a little bit more of this? All right, let's keep going. Verse 11, but you Pharisees and scribes say if a man tells his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin, that is to say already a gift to God. So let me give you the backdrop here. If you study this, you'll see this. So all the money that they had saved to take care of their parents, they no longer wanted to give it to their parents in the name of it is now a gift to God. And the Pharisees were allowing this because, of course, the money was coming into the temple. Let's keep reading here. So that sounds good, doesn't it? I'm going to take what I prepared to take care of my parents and put it in the offering. That's the wrong thing to do. Let's keep reading. That is to say it's already a gift from God. Verse 12, that you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother since helping them would violate his vow of Corbin. So you nullify the authority of the word of God acting as if it did not apply because of your tradition, which you have handed down through the elders, and you do many things just like that. Okay, I want you to see this is God's heart about taking care of your parents, right? It's one of the greatest things you could ever do, right? But you've got to go back into that single life to understand where he's at now as an adult towards his parents. If I couldn't get me, I couldn't get my marriage, I couldn't get my kids, what am I going to do for my parents? That's why that first win is so important. See, see, and now every generation doesn't have to start over when we do this right. It's a good blueprint, folks. What should happen is when I leave, the resources should be left in the earth. And the parents, the children appreciate that. And when they get older, they take care of us because of the way we took care of them. Hello, somebody. And then what we left them that they grew, now they leave to their kids. And see, the reality is every generation, a lot of times with Christians, I'm not talking color here. Every generation with Christians, they start all over again. Soon as the young adults, soon as the kids graduate from high school, they go into college in debt. They come out of college, they graduate in debt, and everyone's starting at zero. See, nobody values this, but God does. All right. Especially for mothers and grandmothers. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Especially for mothers and grandmothers. Grandma is important. I said grandma is important. 
Hello! Gma is important. Let's read the Bible. First Timothy chapter 4. Pull that up in the Amplified as well. First Timothy chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 16, especially for their mothers and grandmothers. Pull it up in the Amplified. First Timothy 4, uh, 5, 4 and 16. I'm going to read it right up here on the screen. First Timothy chapter 5, back up to verse 4, and I'm going to read verse 4 and then verse 16. It says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren... What's the emphasis there? Who are adults. See to it that these first learn to show great respect to their own family. As their religious duty and natural obligation. Financial term here. And to compensate their parents or grandparents for their upbringing. We didn't get here by ourselves. Come on, I'm getting ready to jump off this stage in a minute. I said, we didn't get here by ourselves. Come on, somebody was wiping our little nasty diapers. Come on, somebody, and taking us to school. Come on, hello, taking us to practices and sacrificing. Now we make it and we're going to forget about them? No, we make it to take care of them. Compensate their parents. Not that you owe them anything. It's an act of respect and gratitude. Right? And parents shouldn't put that on their kids like the kids owe them something. Right? Should naturally be in the kid's heart as an act of respect and gratitude. Right? To their parents or grandparents for their upbringing. For this is acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God. See, so even if you can't do it for them, do it for God. Amen. One of the most rewarding things in my life just happened three weeks ago. We went to Detroit for an event, home going. It wasn't the right reason to be there. Anytime I'm in Detroit, I want to see my grandmother, 94 years old. Praise God for that. That means that's in my genes, glory to God. Still living by herself, still taking care of herself, but not as, you know, quick as she used to be. And so we walked in, and the apartment was a mess. What I loved about my wife, she immediately started cleaning up, sweeping and vacuuming, washing the dishes, got all the garbage together. I took the garbage out. I immediately got on the phone, called my, she's got three grown kids at home and all kind of other grandchildren, right? They all live like five minutes, 10, 15 minutes. I live in Atlanta. But I can see this. Immediately get on the phone, man. Get a cleaning company over here immediately. Get this apartment clean, deep clean. Get this, this carpet clean. Clean out this refrigerator and get rid of this couch. I'm buying grandma a new couch. That couch is nasty. She don't need to be sitting on that couch. She spilled all kind of stuff on the couch. And I would play the voicemail message for you to bless your heart. Oh, man. She called me by my nickname. Thank you so much for what you and Trish did for me. Well, my apartment smells so good and the couch is so beautiful. I must have played that 20 times. Because, folks, that's what it's all about. I remember grandma, right? My wife is standing there. She's sitting there. She wouldn't let us do it, would she? I had to say, stop, Grandma, stop. Listen for a minute. Do you remember when I called you Ma and I called my own mother by her first name? 
You know why? Because I spent more time with you. Because she had to work two and three jobs to try to make ends meet for us. I said, I, call, I, I knew you as my before I really knew my own mother as my. So I said, I know you can do this for yourself, but let your grandson do it for you. She sat back on that seat and said, okay then. Right? All I'm saying to you folks is listen to me, especially the men in here. Don't forget about your parents or your grandparents. They matter to God, and they should matter to you. In fact, I need a real good amen in this place right here. Look at verse 16. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Verse 16 says, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. See, if a believing man or woman, do I have any believing men or women in here? See, a widow is someone who their spouse has passed, right? Notice what he said. If you're a believing man or woman, then relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened, watch this, that it may relieve those who are really widows. So notice, we don't as a church have a responsibility to your mother and grandmother if you're healthy and alive. But there are widows who really need help. And that's where our complex comes in and our senior citizens' quarters come in and our living for, and we're going to take care of people that they don't have the system up underneath them to take care of them. Now you understand why we're doing it. I'm sharing vision with you right now because it's biblical. Failure to do so, letter D, makes one worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, just showing you how God sees this. Not to put anyone into condemnation, but just showing you how God sees this. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, better translated as family, he has denied the faith. Wow. And is worse than an unbeliever. The Amplified says, who performs his duties in these matters. That's something when it says that person is worse than an unbeliever. I'm just showing you how God sees this. We got to take care of our parents. They took care of us for many years. Right? And since mine have both moved on, I got a whole bunch of mothers and fathers around here I got to look out for a whole bunch of grandparents right here in Georgia. We got to look out for Folks, we've got to, even though we're not blood, we are blood relatives by the blood of Jesus. I know we're a church, but we're also a family. It's called the body of Christ, and we must take care of each other. Say, I love my mother and my grandmother. Now, you notice it didn't say anything in that context about father and grandfather because in reality a man is supposed to take care of himself until he can't no more men never retire we just refire come on we start a new career at 90 only time a man is not taking care of business and doing something is when he is unable and the reality is, folks, I'm going to do something until I leave here. 
So the goal is to never have to put that on my children. But it's still good to know that they'll be there. Hello, somebody. All right. You all getting anything out of this today? Look at Jesus, the ultimate model man, letter E. Go to John chapter 19. Pull that up and the amplify for me up on the screen. John chapter 19, 25 through 27. I'll read it out of the amplified here. Jesus, the ultimate model man. And you're going to see the, the three Ps or two of the three Ps right here in the Amplify. Amplify stole my three Ps from me. John chapter 19, verse 25. So the soldiers did these things by standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his sister is. Now, if I can paint a picture for you, Jesus is up on the cross, right? And so he is really in his last moments of life, and I want you to see what's on his mind before he transitions away from this world. Jesus, the model man, what's on his mind. Here he has been beaten, scores, come on, stabbed with a, and a sword through his side. Hello, somebody, all night long. And this was what's on his heart before he finally makes his last transition. So married wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene, verse 26. So Jesus, seeing his mother and the disciple whom he loved, who was John, standing near, said to his mother, Dear woman, look, here is your son, pointing to John, up on the cross, still handling business until his last breath, making provisions. Look at verse 28. Then he said to the disciple John, look, here is your mother, Protect and provide for her. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus made provisions for his mother before he transitioned. Interesting, that's what's on his mind and on his heart. John, look at the woman next to you. She's now your mother. The disciple John heard what Jesus said, and he took her into his house from that very hour and cared for her. I'm just dreaming about a community of believers that the parents and grandparents are always taking care of. That's a model man. See what's on his heart, right? He didn't leave this earth without making provisions. For his parents, which tells all of us we should have instruments in place that should we get out of here early before our parents, something goes to our parents as well as our children. Y'all getting anything out of this today? All right, let's move to the last one and we'll come on down to home church. We'll close with as a Christian. Because how many know he never stops being a Christian? And that's the thread that should weave through everything that he does, that he's a believer. Letter A, daily exercise in these areas. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8. Daily exercise in these areas. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, but reject profane and old wise wives' fables. And if you look that up in the Greek, it's really just talking about Old women's stories there. And, you know, like grandmothers. I mean, have all, all of us have had grandmothers and older uh, ladies just tell us things, you know, like 
don't, don't walk in the middle. Don't step on a crack. You, you break your back. Don't, don't sit. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, all of that stuff that, 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 that sounds good, right? Uh, mix this up if you get six. Mix all this up. Blend it all together. Lay the boy down. Give me some cotton liver oil. Give me some, some black draw. Give me some Pepto-Bismol. I'm more sick now before taking off. Come on, give me some Vaseline. Take the big scoop of Vaseline on the finger. Open up your mouth. Pull it out your mouth. Now swallow it. How your throat feel? Your throat feel better? No, I can't breathe all this Vaseline in my throat. I never forget all of that as a kid. Lay him down. Take his shirt off. Give me some of that vapor rub. Rub his chest down. Right? Because wasn't nobody going to no doctors because nobody had no insurance. Wasn't going to no hospital. We're going to figure this out right here. And all kind of little stories they would tell you, right? That's all he's saying here. <laughs> that's all he's saying. Right? Anything that's not based in facts or truth, reject it. Even if it came from your mothers or grandmothers. But he said, exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. Really, Greek there talks about in little burst. So it profits for the time that you're doing it. So if you worked out yesterday, you don't get credit for that today. <laughs> I know I wish we could, right? But, but it's a little burst for the time that we do it. But look at what he compares it to. But godliness is profitable for all things. See, and when I exercise in godliness, my prayer life, my word life, hello somebody, my relationships with other people, he says, then that profits me in every area of my life. It profits in my marriage. It profits me as a, a father to my children. It profits in my business. Everything that concerns me when I exercise in godliness as a daily regimen, it's going to profit everything that I do. And then it has the promise of life that is now and that is also to come. So there's a good life that God wants me to have right now when I exercise daily in godliness. And it's that good life on earth that's going to lead me to an even greater life throughout eternity, right? But it starts with this daily regimen of exercising in godliness. That is my prayer life, my word life. A man or woman of God, they're going to do this every day. It's a part of what they do. It's a part of their workout strategy. They're going to get up every day, spend time in prayer, spend time in the word, and then be intentional about obeying what it is that I learned that morning, and then go out and treat people the way God would treat them the best that they can, right? And it's just going to be a daily part of their regimen that they exercise every day, and then it starts showing up in everything in your life. And then your marriage starts looking like heaven on earth. Come on, then your family starts looking like heaven on earth. Now you're living in a home that looks like heaven on earth. Now all our bills are paid. We're debt-free. All that's going to happen is everything in your life will keep profiting when you exercise on a consistent basis. He said, but flee these things. So he says, reject profanes, exercise yourself uh, unto godliness. Letter B, flee these things. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 11. Letter B, flee these things. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 11. It says, but those who desire to be rich. So that's an inordinate affection to have money. 
fall into temptations and a snare. Snare is a trap. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. All he's saying, guys, ladies, don't chase money. Chase God. For the love of money, in verse 10, is the root of all kinds of evil. It did not say money was evil. It said the love of money is the foundation for every evil on planet Earth. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue, exercise daily in righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. I do a study on each one of those and make it a point to, to make it a part of my regimen that every day I'm exercising my faith. Every day I'm exercising who I am in Christ Jesus. Every day I'm exercising in love. Every day I'm exercising in patience. And every day I'm exercising in gentleness. It's so easy to be combative today. But it takes courage and bravery to be able to walk away and be gentle when everybody else is being combative. So you don't understand, that's just strength under control. That's I could if I wanted to, but I don't have to act like you. Hello, somebody. That's not weak. That's strong. That's, that's not, I can handle this differently if I wanted to, but I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. Strength under control. Flee these things. Second uh, Timothy 2.22 uh, the A portion of that says, flee also youthful lust. And so these are several things that men need to run from, right? I like what, what one commentary said. Things that you did in your youth, you should run away from them when you become an adult. Right? There's just certain things grown folks don't need to do. Something's not right about a grown man without a job, bills aren't paid, spending hours playing video games. I don't even let a 16-year-old do that, but you'd be surprised, right? Some point, you got to stop chasing girls and grow up. When you grow up and get married, all of that stuff should no longer be a part of your future. Paul said it best. He said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, see, at what age is that? When you put away childish things. There's some 16-year-olds that are great men right now. Some, some, some 50-year-olds that are still boys. Some of it, when you're youthful, you know, even as a parent, we understand. You know, I can look at my son. I did the same thing when I was his age. I'm not going to be that hard on him. I'm just going to help him work through it. Because he's youthful. He's trying to figure all that out. Body going crazy. Hello, somebody. Body waking him up in the morning. That's all new to him. Like, whoa. Wind blow. Whoa. What's going on here? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Try to go to sleep at night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, right? Daughter going through things. How I many of you know some of this stuff is just youthful lust? But you got to grow out of them. 
Something wrong when you're 30-something and you still can't control that. Come on, I just need a, a little better amen in here tonight. Come on, some point, you got to grow up. That's why he said flee. Isn't that interesting? Youthful lust. So even the Bible understands there's some things you're going to go through just because you're young. But at some point, you got to grow up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Verse 18 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 also tells us to flee something else. Now, there's a lot of us not fleeing this one. We chasing it. Don't get quiet on me right now either. But the Bible says flee sexual immorality. Run from it, not run to it. See, why do I go to a strip club? That's not running from it. Uh-oh, so when y'all look away now, when you look <laughs> and it get quiet, prayer. All right, everybody understand what we're saying here, right? Saying it'll tell you your maturity level by what you run to versus what you run away from. Right? Some people want to play with it. Others want to stay as far away from it as they possibly can. I know we all get older and we want to see if we still got it. But see if you still got it at home with your wife. Let her tell you if you still got it or not. And if you don't, go get it. Whatever that is. Handle your business. <laughs> all right, everybody clear. Flee fornication. Watch this, because grown men understand this. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body. See, grown men get this. See, they're not going to self-inflict harm on themselves. Grown men understand that. I'm not getting ready to do something that's going to harm me. And the world's not telling you that. The world's telling you sex is fun. They got it all on your phone. They got, they got it any kind of way you want it today, right? But I'm telling you, as a man of God, a grown man, it's hurting you. It's not helping you. And it hasn't worked for anybody yet, period. I don't care how you slice that. There's no gold at the end of that rainbow. Only sickness, disease, sorrow, and pain. And there are millions of people who can tell you their story. So flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own? You've got to understand this. You're bought with a price. What, what price is that? The shed blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. That's an honorable, noble man that is single, 
that has decided to save himself till marriage. That's an honorable, noble man that may have already messed up, but made a decision that he's no longer going to do that again until he gets married. That's an honorable, noble man. It's an honorable, noble man that after he gets married, cheating on his spouse is not an option. It is not on the table. That is an honorable, noble man, glory to God. And if I had any of that in here, I'd get a real good, solid amen in this place. We've got to get back to that, church. Treat women with respect, with dignity, with honor. See everyone as your mother. See that young lady as someone else's daughter. Would you want somebody to treat your daughter like that someday? See that as somebody's sister. See that as someone's future wife. Don't defraud someone's wife, someone's future wife. You don't understand the seeds you're sowing. While you're defrauding someone else's, someone's defrauding yours. I'm canceling out the provision that God has for me by my lack of discipline today. I'm not winning. Not that way. But I can win God's way. And that's what we're going to pray over these men today. We're going to pray over these winners today. I don't know what your past is, but I can tell you about your future. Come on, somebody. If you make a decision today to be a model man, man, God can get you where, he, where you always intended to be at the same time that you should have been there because he'll redeem the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pursue these things, letter C. First, Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Pursue all scripture because it's profitable for you. Get a daily regimen, daily devotion, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I, I need instruction. What do I do? How do I prepare for marriage? It's in the book. How do I live right with other people? It's in the book. All the instructions that you need are in the book. Go get them. So that the man of God may be complete. The word complete there means mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when I see myself not complete or mature in an area, it's not because I don't have the ability to. It's probably some instruction and information that I don't have or I don't know, and it's real simple. Go back, get the right information, decide to obey it and live it, and it's going to bring me to a place of maturity where I'm ready for every good work that comes my way. Next one here, discover your gifts, graces, and use them to serve God. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to skip over Romans chapter 12. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's read 10 and 11. Every man in here has been equipped. You were born into this earth with giftings. And there is a grace on your life to excel at something. Not just, I'm, I'm talking about excel. I'm talking about, listen to me, I'm talking about be great at. Every man in here has the potential and the ability on the inside to be great. They'll just take the time to figure out what grace is on my life. 
We offer a class here, step three, that'll help you figure that out. Notice in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, New King James Version, each one of us has received a gift. Each one of us has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So all of us have a gift, and we're supposed to use our gifts in service to each other. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and forever. Amen. In Romans chapter 12, there's the gift of ruling, the gift of serving, the gift of mercy, which is compassion. There are really eight different gifts there in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. One of those or multiple ones are in every man. And if he'll take the time to cultivate and develop them, he can be something great in this life. All right, put that nugget up there for me. Put that nugget up there for me. So a model man of God will make every effort to be a true son of God. He'll make the effort to discover his gift or gifts and use them in the service of God. And so as I conclude today, if you 100% believe you want to be this model man, I want you to stand up to your feet because we're getting ready to pray for you. If you want to walk out this blueprint in your life, stand up on your feet. Come on, let's give all these men a big round of applause in here today. I want you to do me one more favor, and let's just come to the front as best as you can, okay? Get out of the aisle. Come down to the front as best as you can, okay? It's a wonderful sight to see right here. And I want you to see this. It's probably more males in this building than there are females in this building. Come on, let's give God the glory for that today. All right. In that conclusion, put point number one up there. Before I pray for you, I'm going to have you do a confession, and then I'm going to pray. Put point number one. More can certainly be said, fellas. For the scriptures are full of wisdom and instruction on what it means to be a model man of God. Only thing I gave you is an introductory blueprint. So much more for you to find out and discover. Start there and then build it out from that point. Number two. Sadly, the world often presents an entirely different picture of what it means to be a man. Confusing machismo, which is as exaggerated masculinity, how big my muscles are, how many women I can sleep with, what kind of car I drive, what kind of clothes I dress, all of that is exaggerated masculinity, right? But it's not true manliness. True manliness is everything that you just heard today and over the last four weeks. And it's going to take bravery and it's going to take courage for you to walk that out. But I believe it's in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. Next one. As noted in the beginning, the word translated act like men conveys the idea of being brave and courageous. Next one. Will we who are men be brave enough to behave the way God wants us to and not just imitate those models of manhood 
who are often spiritually and emotionally immature. Will we do that, fellas? That's what I'm commissioning you today. Are you accepting the challenge? Put your right hand up in the air. And this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, and I made it a declaration, okay? I want you to say this from the bottom of your hearts, and then congregation, we're going to pray for them. Right after they make this confession, stretch your hands, and I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over this group, and then we're going to release something in the atmosphere here and give God all the glory. Say this. Say, I am. And I want you to say it like you mean it. I mean, let it come from your chest. Say, I am. Say, I am a man of God. I flee everything that does not come from God. And I pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. I fight. The good fight of faith. Say it again. I fight the good fight of faith. One more time. I fight the good fight of faith. I lay hold of eternal life. I am called and I confess a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In Jesus' name. Now go ahead and thank God for that right now. Go ahead, open up your mouth. Thank God for that. And so now, Father, I pray for every model man standing down here today or in the hours, Father that they will first win at being single, Father. They will take that blueprint seriously, Father. They will embed it into their hearts and be focused on their gift, their calling, and their craft until they graduate from college or get out of their mother and father's home, successfully live on their own, have a home, Father, that they can dwell in, have a career, occupation, or job that sustains it. Then they'll eat the fruit of that, Father. Then they'll go out and pursue a wife, Father. I pray for every husband that is standing here right now, Father, that they would love their wives the way you love the church, and they'll love their wives as they love their own bodies. They, they carry the mantle from this moment forward to be the first to pray, to protect, and to provide for their wives all the days of their lives. These are not men who will ever cheat on their wives, not one day, not one second. And if it's happened in the past, it will not happen ever again. Satan, we serve you no Notice now you have no part or no place to play in their lives. They will love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I pray for them as fathers, Father. They will raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Father. They will be great examples and be responsible for everything that they created. They will train through discipline and instruction, Father, and raise kids that you can use, Father, and that you can get glory from, Father. And now I pray for them as sons, Father, that they will grow to a place of financial stability where they can take care of their parents and their grandparents if necessary, Father. 
drop that into their hearts right now. Help them to get their lives together because more people are depending on them. And finally, as Christians, Father, that they will pursue godliness and righteousness all the days of their lives and they will flee youthful lust. They will flee fornication. They will flee all immorality, Father, and they will only pursue the things that bring you glory, Father. I declare from this moment forward, these are model men who will follow the blueprint all the days of their lives in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, everyone that agrees with that prayer.